Imagine you've just completed a double shift as the chef at a local cafe. It's a beautiful restaurant right on the beach. At the time, sand is being used for getting pots and pans clean. So you take a couple of pots to the beach for cleaning. But you're exhausted. The droning ocean waves and general ambience are so relaxing. And before you know it, you're taking a nap. But you're out on a deserted beach at night. Well, not deserted. There is another person on the beach. Sort of. This is no ordinary person. He's a monster. A serial killer. And you are in his sights. You're awakened by a loud ring in your ears. You're dizzy and confused. Just then, he smashes your head again with a rock he found on the beach. Everything goes black. Forever. You're a victim of the killer known as El Arrobiero, or seller of sweet cakes. But don't let the name fool you. What do you want to call me a murderer for? I've never killed anyone. I don't need to kill anyone. I think it. Believe me, if I started murdering people, there'd be none of you left. Good evening, friends and enemies. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Evil. As always, I'm your host, Jay. And tonight, we're going to take a look at a serial killer that was active in France, Italy, and Spain. The listeners who've contacted me said they like international cases. So here you go. Before we get started, I'm asking you to subscribe and follow the show so you won't miss a single episode and tell all of your friends and enemies about Exploring Evil. Don't forget to make your voice heard and email me with case suggestions at exploringevil at gmail.com. And check out my paranormal podcast. It's called Cryptique, and you can find it everywhere you find Exploring Evil. Most serial killers, although they think of themselves as unique, fall into categories and have patterns and tendencies. The visionary killer believes that a person or entity is commanding him to kill, most likely suffering from psychosis. A mission-oriented killer kills in order to rid society of a certain group. A hedonistic killer commits his acts for his own personal pleasure, for example, rape, torture, or money. Some seek power and control. They fantasize about having power and seek to dominate and control victims. Killers are organized or disorganized. They have a preferred method of murder. They often stick to hunting grounds they're familiar with which is why geographic profiling was developed to try to predict the area in which they live. But most killers stick to a specific victim type. Most don't go outside their race. White serial killers overwhelmingly select white victims, 
black serial killers usually choose black victims. They choose male or female and usually have an age range. They pick up prostitutes or specialize in home invasions. How do you catch someone who chooses victims at random, young and old, male and female, gay and straight? How do you catch someone who strangles, stabs, and even pushes people off of cliffs? Seville, Spain sits on the Korea River, north and west of the Straits of Gibraltar. It's an ancient and beautiful city with a festive nightlife and stunning architecture. Manuel Delgado Villegas was born in Seville, Spain on January 25, 1943, the son of Jose Delgado Martin, a pastry maker. His mother died while giving birth to him at the age of 24. Children really need a mother's love, especially newborns, and some psychiatrists say that the bonds between a mother, or lack thereof, can never be fixed. You just try to bandage the wound. Manuel's father was, for all intents and purposes, a traveling salesman. He sold a rope, a fruit concentrate produced in southern Spain used to make sweets. It only made sense that Delgado and his sister Joaquina were sent to live with their maternal grandmother in Mataro. The two children lived with their grandmother in the predominantly Andalusian neighborhood of La Serrera. Andalusian is a specific dialect spoken in southern Spain. He attended school as a child but struggled mightily and never learned to read or write. As a young man, he struggled with his sexuality and prostituted himself from early adolescence. Most would agree that sex work can harden even the softest heart. Delgado continued to search for a purpose, as we've all done at some point. In 1961, at the age of 18, Delgado formally enlisted in the Spanish Legion. There, he learned hand-to-hand -hand combat techniques that would be carried out on some of his victims. One in particular was the golpe mortal, or literally, death blow. This chop to the larynx with the edge of the hand became one of his preferred methods of killing. After the army, he left Mataro and became a nomad. He wandered along the Mediterranean coast, begging, stealing, and picking fights with prostitutes and homosexuals. He was arrested several times under the Law of Slackers and Crooks and Law of Dangerousness to Society that targeted beggars and homosexuals in Francoist Spain, but was never imprisoned. His odd behavior under arrest always led to him being sent to mental institutions, from which he was soon released. But was he actually suffering from a mental illness, or did he just feign insanity to get out of predicaments?
Manuel Delgado Villegas attacked his first confirmed victim in 1964 at the age of 21. Kind of an early start for a serial killer. I guess a feeling came over him as he strolled along a Barcelona beach one night. A full moon shed plenty of light and it was a beautiful night for a walk on the beach. But the sharks aren't just in the water. Manuel spotted a man sitting down, leaning up against a wall. As he approached, Manuel noted that the man was asleep. Most of us would have paid it no mind, but Manuel smelled an opportunity. He slowly approached the sleeping man, eyes darting back and forth, scanning the beach for witnesses. Manuel picked up a large rock he found by the beach wall and smashed the sleeping man's face in. Once he was sure the man was dead, he stole his wallet and his watch. But was the intent to rob someone or murder someone? Either way, Manuel had tasted blood. Abiza Town, 1967. Manuel finds himself hiding outside of a house, watching, waiting, like a lion watching antelope. He watches as a man and woman flirt and do drugs in this old house and sees them retire to the bed. I wonder what he was planning. Either way, the plan changed as he saw the man stomp out of the house angrily and walk off into the darkness. Now the girl was alone, separated from anyone who could help her. Manuel kicks in the front door and engages in an orgy of beating, raping, and stabbing. The girl lay, covered in blood, dead in front of him. Then a new monster is born. Manuel has sex with the dead body. It takes a certain something to engage in necrophilia. I'm not sure if it's evil, severe mental illness, occult beliefs, or what, but it's a line only the worst of the worst are willing to cross. The man who was at the house earlier left his glasses and wallet and came back to find the girl utterly destroyed and fled in fear back into the darkness. But the neighbors saw him and identified him to police. Thanks to this mistake, Manuel had gotten off scot-free. Madrid, 1968. A man is tending to his vineyards on a hot summer day. He has a perfect spread right on the Tayunya River. He notices someone, Manuel wandering through his property. Manuel meanders up to him with the request. Manuel asks softly for some food. The man tells Manuel, you're young. If you want to eat, get a job. Little could he have known, his sharp response would earn him a spot in Manuel's Hall of Victims. Manuel used the golpe mortal on the man and disposed of his body in the river that supplied the irrigation to the vibrant vineyard. 
The man's body was soon discovered, floating in the river, but police believed it was an accidental drowning. Again, no suspect was sought, and Manuel was free to go on killing. Barcelona, 1969. A well-respected furniture dealer, an often client of Manuel, summons him for a visit. Manuel sits down to discuss the transaction with the furniture dealer and says he wants three times the usual amount for sex, about ten bucks. Details forged out, the men engage in the agreed-upon activity. But trouble bursts out when the furniture dealer will only give him the usual, around three and a half dollars. Manuel again turns to his golpe mortal strike, but it only stuns the man. Manuel tears a leg off of a chair and viciously, repeatedly bludgeons the man. Manuel finishes him off by strangling him until his neck broke. Mataro, 1969. Manuel happens upon an elderly lady standing on a bridge. Of course, his urges tell him to hit her in the head with a brick, and he does just that. Blood spatter splashes the railing, and the lady stumbles for a moment and grabs the banister. Like a demon, Manuel quickly flips the old lady over the side of the bridge onto a concrete structure below. Manuel then drags the 68-year-old into a drainage pipe. The beast rapes her as he strangles her to death. He hides the body under some plastic sheeting and returns for three days to have sex with the corpse. When he returned on the fourth day, he realized the body had been discovered. El Puerto Santa Maria. Manuel had a friend that lived here, or maybe a client. He was an electrician and rode a motorcycle. Manuel asks him if he will take him for a ride on his bike, and the man agrees. During the course of cruising around town, Manuel thinks the man made a sexual advance towards him on the ride. Manuel uses his good old death chop to the man as soon as they step off the motorcycle, but again it only stuns him. He brazenly hurls insults at Manuel, not knowing the depths of his depravity. Manuel slips quickly behind the man, wrapping his arms around his neck and dragging him down to the ground until it all goes black. Manuel disposed of the body in a nearby river, hoping it would again be investigated as an accidental drowning, like one of his previous victims. El Puerto Santa Maria, 1971. A local woman wanders the streets from day to day. Manuel takes a shine to this young lady and even calls her his girlfriend. She may suffer from intellectual disabilities and is known as being promiscuous. Manuel suggests they go somewhere a little more private, and she agrees. Manuel knows she likes it rough, but she asks him to perform oral sex on her. Manuel flies into a rage when she says he's not a real man. The monster comes out as Manuel rips off one of her tights and snares it 
around her neck. Covered in sweat, he grunts as he watches her eyes bulge from the strangulation. He has sex with the corpse over and over and over for three nights. But he was connected to her. And so, police began the hunt for Manuel Delgado Villegas, the Puerto Strangler, or El Arropiero. He never killed with premeditation. A simple, seemingly trivial comment could bring out the monster in Manuel. Manuel obviously had considerable rage lurking just beneath the surface. He destroyed some of his victims with blunt objects or strangled them so he could feel their life fade away. He robbed, raped, practiced necrophilia, and murdered. But his location and victim type varied so much it was hard to connect him to the grisly chain of murders. Only the last two murders happened in the same place and close in time precipitating Delgado's arrest. Then came the confessions. Exploring Evil will be right back after a word from our sponsor. History of the Cosmos. Hello, friends and enemies. I hope you're enjoying Exploring Evil. But there's another dark podcast you may have been missing out on. It's called Cryptique, and my co-host Ryan and I discuss the paranormal, the occult, possessions, dark magic, and so much more. We've done shows on the Black-Eyed Kids, Zozo the Ouija Board Demon, referred to in The Exorcist, A Possessed Nun, and The Devil's Bible. We've also done shows on aliens, conspiracy theories, feral kids, lucid dreaming, and reincarnation. There's something for everyone. If you find comfort in the darkness, Cryptique is for you. You can find Cryptique everywhere you find Exploring Evil. The truth is out there. Welcome back to Exploring Evil. Following the disappearance of Antonio Rodriguez Relinque, a 38-year-old intellectually disabled woman who had been seen on various occasions in the company of Delgado, the police swooped in and arrested the monster. The police accompanied Delgado to El Puerto de Santa Maria Police Station. He was questioned by the Criminal Investigation Division over the disappearance of the person whom they now knew to be his girlfriend. He initially denied killing her, but following the discovery of her body in a secluded spot on the outskirts of El Puerto de Santa Maria, he confessed to her murder. Delgado confessed that he had strangled the woman with her own tights while they were having sex. Rodriguez was a promiscuous woman and was reputed to suffer from intellectual disabilities. Their torturous sexual relations were full of violence, Manuel admitted. One day, things got out of hand. 
They were in an open field, and Antonio asked Manuel to perform oral sex on her, which he says disgusted him. She insulted him and told him that he was not a real man, and he started to beat her. The discussion heated up, and Manuel ended up strangling her with her own tights. The next few nights, he went back to frequent her corpse. As he confessed to the police, I was with her again on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and would have returned today if you did not catch me. Delgado hid the body and returned to have sex with it on three consecutive nights before he was arrested. When asked, Delgado said that he had sex with her because dead or alive, she was still his girlfriend. Adolfo Fulch Montaner was the 49-year-old chef that was killed while sleeping on the beach near Barcelona. Fulch had gone to the beach that day to take some sand used at the time to clean the fat from kitchen pots and stoves. I saw a sleeping man leaning against a wall. I approached him and very slowly, with a large rock that I had picked up close to the wall, hit him over the head. When I realized he was dead, I took his wallet and the watch on his wrist. He had barely anything in his wallet, and the watch was crap. Marguerite Helene Teresa Boudre was a 21-year-old French student from Lyon. She was staying in a small house in a holiday resort five kilometers from Ibiza town, along with a friend. Marguerite had met the American Jules Norton in a nightclub the night of her death, and he took her to the abandoned house. There, the couple would consume LSD and various drugs while Manuel watches them, hidden, outside. When Margaret refuses to have sexual relations with him, Norton leaves the house in a bad mood, leaving the young woman nude and drugged in bed. Manuel entered the house, beat her, raped her, and stabbed her in the back, and then practiced necrophilia with her dead body. Norton returns to the house because he had forgotten his glasses and wallet and runs away when he discovers the corpse, but he is seen by the neighbors. This led to the imprisonment of the young man, since in his first confession to the police, he denied having been in the house. Norton spent more than a year in prison, but was released for lack of evidence. Manuel confessed to police. 71-year-old Venancio Hernandez Carrasco was tending his vineyards by the banks of the Tawanya River in the town of Chinchon when Delgado approached him, asking for food. Hernandez replied that he was young and that if he wanted to eat, he ought to work. This comment cost him his life. His body was found floating in the river near the San Galindo Dam and was initially reported as an accidental drowning. Delgado later changed his confession and claimed that he killed Hernandez because he saw him trying to rape a little girl. What a great guy. Ramon Estrada Saldrich was the homosexual furniture dealer from Barcelona and regular client of Delgado. According to Delgado, they were in his dealership when he asked Estrada to give him 1,000 pesetas, about 10 bucks, and he agreed to do so after sex, but he only paid Delgado the usual 300. Delgado said he hit Estrada on the neck, but he was only knocked out and began to insult Delgado after recovering his senses. Delgado then bludgeoned Estrada with a chair leg before finally strangling him until his neck broke. 
68-year-old Anastasia Barella Moreno was the elderly lady Delgado hit on the head with a brick and pushed off a bridge. He then dragged her into a tunnel and raped her while strangling her. He hit the body under a piece of plastic and went back to practicing necrophilia with the corpse for at least three nights in a row until a group of children playing in the tunnel found her four days after the appalling murder. 28-year-old Francisco Marin Ramirez was a friend of Delgado, or perhaps a client. After a motorcycle ride, he dealt his death blow because, according to Manuel, he had tried to caress him. Francisco recovered a little, but Manuel strangled him and finally threw him into the river, looking to again make it look like an accidental death. His body was found by a fisherman floating in the Guadalete River underneath the San Alejandro Bridge in El Puerto de Santa Maria. The local newspaper dubbed him the Puerto Strangler, though this nickname was dropped later at the request of El Puerto's local authorities who feared the town's name would be tainted. Delgado obviously had many other victims, but we'll talk about a few here. Delgado's confirmed crimes are often misreported as eight instead of seven. This probably stems from a 1977 article in the popular weekly newspaper El Caso. The article proposed Delgado was the possible murderer of Natividad Romero Rodriguez, a prostitute found dead in a country house near Barajas, Madrid in 1969. She had been raped and strangled with great violence by a man using only one hand. This led investigators to suspect someone with a military background. The crime, however, remains unsolved and was never linked to Delgado by the police. Delgado also claimed to have killed a foreign woman, stabbed another woman in Alicante, strangled a homosexual man with a wire in Barcelona, and even to have thrown another homosexual, a client, off of a cliff after the victim allegedly said, Such beauty, such a view, I wouldn't mind dying right here in this place, to which Delgado replied, Die then, and pushed him. While under interrogation, Delgado remained calm and shared many details of the crimes with police. The investigation was halted, and again Delgado was put in a mental institution without trial or a proper conviction. After his detention and subsequent confession, on February 24, 1971, he was transferred to the General Directorate for Security of Madrid, and thus began his carousel of prisons, psychiatrists, and bureaucracy. Manuel Delgado Villegas had the record of preventative arrest without a defense lawyer, six and a half years since he was diagnosed with a mental illness. In its time, the detainees in his state were not judged, but were admitted directly to a specialized center. When we say detainees in his state, we mean being diagnosed with a mental illness. This way he avoided a more than possible death sentence by garroting. If you're unsure of what garroting is, think of a piano wire with handles and being choked to death, if not having it cut your throat. It's very brutal but would have been fitting for a creature like Manuel. Manuel was now officially the most prolific murderer in Spanish criminal history. 
His murders had shaken the society of the time and overwhelmed the authorities. But the case conduct was embarrassing and had a multitude of errors. The one case you'd think they would dot their I's and cross their T's. It lacked private prosecutions. There were few witnesses. He spent three years in prison completely forgotten and his file was lost in 1973. Don't get me wrong, I don't really feel bad for the guy, but you guys gotta get your stuff together over there. Don't get me wrong, I don't feel bad for him, but everyone's entitled to due process. Finally, in 1977, the public prosecutor Alejandro del Toro finds his summary in Barcelona and promotes a new trial. The special legal status of El Ropiero, locked up without trial, was a scandal that could remove the foundations of the new democracy. An implied agreement was reached between judges, police, and psychiatrists. They did not know how to find a proper solution. In the end, the National Court issued a free dismissal order in 1978 that shelved the case and decreed his permanent confinement in a specialized medical center or mental institution. At the time of his arrest, it was widely reported that he was diagnosed as having XYY syndrome, which led to claims that this may have been responsible for his violent behavior. However, the link between XYY syndrome and violent behavior has been disproven by modern studies of the condition. In the process of investigating the veracity of his claims, the investigating magistrate of El Puerto de Santa Maria, Conrad Gallardo Rose, along with detectives involved in the cases, accompanied Delgado to the scenes of the crimes over a period of two years where he reenacted and explained the crimes. One detective in particular, Salvador Ortega, succeeded in gaining Delgado's trust and was the one who was given the most information. One of the detectives once told him about a Mexican who had killed more people than him. Manuel stayed thoughtful, went to the chief inspector and whispered to him, Boss, leave me free 24 hours, please, so that guy doesn't beat me. Photos taken during the investigation show Delgado smiling and even embracing the detectives who used the affectionate form of his name, Manolo, or even Manolito, which means God is with us. But the press had already dubbed Manuel El Oropiero, or seller of sweet cakes, derived from his father's job. Not very original if you ask me. Seven proven deaths, 14 investigated, and 26 confessed. The majority of his confessed murders were left unproven, partly because of the complexity involved and the need for international police collaboration in order to clarify many of them and the limited scientific means of the time. He was the first prisoner taken by plane to his murder sites. Manuel Delgado Villegas died on February 2, 1998 at the Hospital Conruti in Badalona as a result of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease probably from chain smoking his whole life. Hopefully it was slow and painful. That's all I've got for tonight's show friends and enemies. Don't forget to subscribe and follow and tell your friends and enemies about the show. 
If you haven't already, please take a listen to my other podcast, Cryptique, where my co-host Ryan and I discuss the paranormal and lots of interesting topics. Email case suggestions to exploringevil at gmail.com. Good evening, and thanks for listening, friends and enemies. We'll catch you next time. What do you want to call me a murderer for? I've never killed anyone. I don't need to kill anyone. I think it. Believe me, if I started murdering people, there'd be none of you left. Do you want to know a secret?